The scripture reading today comes from Genesis, chapter 3, verses 22 through 23. Hear the words of scripture. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. We must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the, from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work from the ground from which he had been taken. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be recreated and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy your consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. I have a small dilemma. I prepared a message for today, and a tiny little part of that message in the early service at 8.30, a tiny part of that message I mentioned my two heart attacks. And after worship, people wanted to know more. And one person said, you have an amazing story to tell. Why don't you share that story? So my notes, I'm just going to save them for some other day. And I'm going to move in a direction I did not intend, which is often the way of my life. The Holy Spirit touches me and says, hey, don't go there go here instead. But I am going to mention a couple of things before I start with my testimony. I'm going to tell you a little about what um, I read out of the scripture and why the title of this message is YOLO. First of all, let me ask this question. Put your hand up. Do you know what YOLO stands for? Put your hand up if you know. So in the early service, it was like 90%. Here, I would say it's more like about 45%. I don't know why. Last week, we tried that with Myob, M-Y-O-B. Peg and I preached together for that, and we said M-Y-O-B stands for make your own bed. No, 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 sorry. Mind your own business. <laughs> okay, so today it's YOLO. YOLO stands for you only live once. You only live once, okay? And it is said kind of in a good but a bad way. All right, and here's why I mean good but bad. Because YOLO is usually said after you do something that feels good and feels right, but it turns out to be something that maybe has a dark side to it. For example, I did few, two memorial services yesterday I participated in. 
One was on Zoom for a friend of mine who died in India, and I listened in on that one. And then after that, in the afternoon, right here, we did Donna Eilbeck's memorial service. Donna Eilbeck died at the age of 98. Isn't that amazing? She died in April, on the, I believe it was the 13th. And we had her memorial service. Her whole family came in, gathered for that. And um, so two memorial services yesterday, and it kind of put me in the mood for Memorial Sunday, which is what I call today. It's not Memorial Day, that's tomorrow, but today's Memorial Sunday. But it also put me in the mood for Pentecost, which is what Pastor Jenny just reminded us of during the children's time. So you've got Pentecost, and you've got Memorial Sunday, and what, yeah, that's why I'm wearing the red tie, because of the red, red, white, and blue, all of it. You know, I, I'm just trying to fit everything in today, right? And then, as I was working on the scripture, I thought, YOLO, you only live once. All those people who gave their lives in service to our country in battle, in service to other countries in battle, we memorialize them this weekend. And you, we, we say they only live but once. However, I want to qualify that because of something I learned that is basic to the Bible. But most Christians don't know it, and I didn't learn this until much later in life. Here's what it is. In Genesis, you know the story, Adam and Eve were created by God with eternal life. You say, how is that? How can you say that, Pastor Ash? Because they were created in God's image, and God is eternal. And as long as they lived in the Garden of Eden and ate from the tree of life, they could live forever. Now you would say, what's this tree of life? It's the first tree that was in the middle of the garden. If you look back up a little bit to chapter 2, you can read that in the middle of the garden is the tree of life also, and with it the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So that second tree that they were not supposed to eat from that is mentioned after the tree of life, okay? It comes first. But at the end of the Bible, it comes again. In, Genesis, in Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter of the Bible, it says, in heaven there will be the tree of life with its fruit, a different fruit for each season, 12 kinds of fruit for each month. And get this, the leaves of the tree will be for the healing of the nations. Oh, I can't wait for that to happen. It's coming. What about in between? What about the tree of life now? I could use it right now. Has anybody here died and come back to life? Anybody put your hand up if you've done that? I guess I'm the only one. How about that? Well, here's what I'm saying about the tree of life. This is so crucial for us to understand as Christians. I'm going to turn to John chapter 15 and read this for you because you may not believe me if I told you it was in there you could look it up later if you want Matthew Mark Luke John right the fourth book of the New Testament and here it is John chapter 15 should have put a bookmark there and make it quicker John 15 Jesus said I am the true vine and my father is the gardener He is the tree of life. Did you know that? 
Augustine of Hippo, many, many centuries ago, said, Jesus represents the tree of life for us today. When we celebrate Holy Communion, the bread, which is his body, represents the tree of life and the blood that he shed for us. Jesus is the tree of life. And as we remember the church almost dying off after Jesus left, it almost died because the disciples were scared and they cowered for fear of the authorities, the Romans and the Jewish leaders. The church almost died off except for one amazing thing. They remembered Jesus and they met him face to face. But the other amazing thing is that they had no guts, they had no strength until the Holy Spirit filled them with the fire of God's love. And they spoke in languages that they shouldn't have known to share the good news of Jesus Christ on the day of Pentecost. That's the kind of courage we need today. The kind of courage that brings us back to life, that revives us and strengthens us. Now people say to me, the church is dying. There are fewer people attending church now than ever before. And what about the United Methodist Church? It's splitting. That's all true, well and good. But I'm telling you that you only live once and that life can have no end. Life can have a beginning, but it can be eternal and have no end. And same with the church. The church began and the church will continue forever. And get this. When people say to me, or, or rather, the other way around. I ask people sometimes, do you know where your mother or your father is, the one who is deceased, whom we memorialize? They say, well, I hope they're in heaven, or I hope I... No. Yes, it is a Christian hope that we will be resurrected with Christ, but it's more than that. It's a blessed assurance because Jesus is mine. And so our lives begin, and they can go on forever as long as we're connected with the tree of life, which is Jesus Christ. I died, and behold, I am alive forever, said Jesus. And whoever believes in me shall never die. That's in John chapter 3. So how did that work for me? And this is where I'm deviating from my notes, okay? I'm going to close my book here and go off script. Off script, that's what they say. I had a heart attack in 2006 at the age of 50. We were living in Boardman at the time and I felt this coming. I went to the emergency room, but before I got there, I had already popped four aspirin, chewed them up, crushed them, swallowed them quickly. And by the time I got there, they hooked me up to an EKG, said, nope, no heart attack. You're wrong. We're doctors, we know better. Okay, fine, thank you. Day later, they did a catheterization and they said, Yep, heart attack. Maybe. But you got four big blockages. We're going in. Three days later, they did open heart, or I call it open chest surgery. They took some veins from my leg, an artery from up here, and they patched me up. And they said, You're good to go. Do anything you want. Six months later, my cardiologist gave me a clean bill of health. I was attending physiotherapy for a while, but that's all good. 
A year later, I rode on a 54-mile hike in the Appalachian Mountain area of Pennsylvania with the, Cub, the Boy Scouts. All is good. The years went by. Twelve years later, on August the 14th of 2018, God worked a true miracle in my life. I was going to my service organization's meeting at noon. That morning, I'd driven to Columbus and back with a, a cancer patient who needed chemotherapy. Imagine if my heart attack would have happened as I was driving on I-71. I would not have survived transport to Riverside or Ohio State hospitals. They said that I had probably about 12 minutes between my heart attack coming and between the time that I died. About 12 minutes. No, it happened as I was, had just left the church and was heading up past the hospital. I turned right around in a driveway and came back into the Little Galleon Community Hospital. Now, for years, I had complained about that hospital. I said, it's really not much. If you get a broken bone, if you break a leg on the football field, something like that, yes, they're good for you. But it can't do much more than that. For years, I had served churches in that area. A total of 15 years I served churches in that area. And Galleon Community Hospital, I visited many times with lots of people. But I also knew that for major things, you get out of there and you go. Columbus, Mansfield, anywhere where you can get, especially for a big heart attack. On that day, at a quarter to noon, I checked into the emergency room. And as I was walking from my car into the emergency room, I was pulling out my wallet and I slapped on the desk of the receptionist my driver's license and my health card, my insurance card. And I said, I'm having a heart attack. There was a nurse who overheard that and before the receptionist could even ask me another question, the nurse had a wheelchair and she grabbed me, took me into bay three in the emergency room and called for the doctor immediately. They brought in a crash cart, a EKG machine. They took my clothes off quickly, said, who are you? I said, I'm Pastor Ash, and I can feel it. It's not much right now. Does it hurt? No, it doesn't hurt. It feels like somebody's squeezing inside my chest just a little bit. As soon as they hooked me up, the doctor said, yep, it's a full-blown STEMI. I didn't know what a STEMI is. I know what a SEMI is, semi. This is a STEMI, but it felt like a, well, no, it didn't feel like a semi is driving over my chest. It didn't hurt. But the doctor said, it's a ST elevated myocardial infarction. I said, what's that? And he said, heart attack. Get him into the cath lab right now. Now, I had been in the cath lab just the previous November, just months before that, and they had done a catheterization, echo catheterization, that's where they use all kinds of stuff to find out what's going on with your heart. And they said, everything's good. And here just months later, nah, it's not all good. And they got me in the cath lab and there was somebody already on the one table, big man. And they convinced him to come back about 10 days later because his procedure was not crucial. And they put me on that table and I died. Literally everything shut down. My heart stopped, my lungs stopped, 
and my brain stopped. It took three doctors later to tell me I was clinically dead. I wouldn't believe that because later I was up and walking around and doing ministry and everything else. It didn't make sense that they would call me dead, but they convinced me this is called clinical death. When the heart and brain stops, you're clinically dead. Is that right? Any doctors here? You know that, right? I learned there's a difference between that and biological death and spiritual death. There are lots of kinds of death. But as I was laying on that cath lab table, I could hear the doctors and see the lights above me. I could hear them talking about the great big screen monitor that they had, that they put that catheter in me, and they could see what's going on inside, around my heart. And then everything shut down. It's like somebody flipped a switch, and immediately I stopped seeing the light. It just went dark. I wouldn't even say black because there was no sensation of light at all. There were no sounds. There was no taste, no feeling. My arms and legs, which were like this, I couldn't feel them anymore. And everything shut down. Almost immediately, I didn't see Jesus, I didn't see heaven. Almost immediately, the lights came back on for me. The sound started up again. And I heard the voice of a nurse sitting at my head with an oxygen mask now at my face. I was not intubated, I was not sedated, I was not anesthetized, but I heard a voice say, intubate him now, his oxygen's too low. And as for that nurse, she's saying, breathe, Pastor Ash, breathe, you've got to breathe deeper. And as my brain woke up, it says, I'm breathing. I know I'm breathing. What's she talking about? And someone said, his oxygen is dropping too low. And all of a sudden, she said, breathe deeply. Come on, you can do it. You can do it, Pastor Ash. And then the most bizarre thing happened. I started to sing. I started to sing. Have you ever heard of something like that? In the operating room of the cath lab, I started to sing a song. And get this, it was a song that I hated. I'm not kidding. I heard the song in 2005. It was originally sung by a homeless man whose voice was recorded on a documentary they were doing for BBC in London, 1971. This homeless man who has no name, his voice happened to be on the background of this documentary, and the guy who was doing the audio for that documentary took that song, and 20 years later, he made a symphony out of it, and it is horrible, in my opinion. Okay, is there a classical musician here? You would say, oh, that's wonderful. But 26 minutes of the same man's voice singing the same song over and over again. And it's very short. I'm going to sing it for you in a minute. You'll see what I mean. It is so repetitive that my ADHD kicks in every time I start listening to it. But I was so impressed with the story, I actually went on eBay and I bought a copy of the CD. CD wasn't produced until 1993 or something like that. In 2005, I bought a copy of the CD and one day as I was driving to the hospital in Cleveland, I put it in my car, because that's an hour and a half long drive from Youngstown. And as I'm driving down the road, I started listening to it thinking, okay, I can handle 26, no. 
Five minutes later, I yanked it out of there and put something else in, or the radio or something. I couldn't stand it. It was too repetitive. But at that moment on August 14th of 2018, when this nurse is saying, breathe deeply, that song is the first thing that popped into my head. And here's what happened. I started singing it and taking a breath after every phrase. And it went like this. Jesus' blood never failed me yet. Never failed me yet. Jesus' blood never failed me yet. This one thing I know, for he loves me so. Jesus' blood never failed me yet, never failed me yet. Jesus' blood never failed me yet. This one thing I know, for he loves me so. Jesus' blood never failed me. Oh, 24 minutes to go yet. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I kept singing and I kept breathing deeply between each breath. They worked on me. My heart had stopped and Dr. Mike Davis, who was the director of the cath lab, shocked it back into life. And my pulse wouldn't come up above 20 or so. It was too slow. And they discovered that the jerking from the pulse, the electrical pulse, when my body jerked, it pulled loose the catheter, the pacemaker, external pacemaker they had put to bring my heartbeat back up. And somebody else noticed that and Dr. Davis quickly plugged it back together and paddled me a second time and my heart started and stayed up around 70. And they were able to fix my heart. But that was the strangest sensation of dying and being brought to life and then breathing for the next hour or so. I don't know how long I did that, but 10 days after that event, I got to go back and tour the cath lab. I asked the hospital for permission to do that. And they said, well, come on over. There's nobody in there right now. And they showed me around and the director of the cath lab I asked him, did you hear me singing in there? He said, yes, Pastor Ash, it was the most bizarre thing. I've never heard of that. He'd been in the cath lab business for over 30 years. And he said, you sang and you sang. I said, how long did I sing? He said, well, it was over an hour. <laughs> Don't tell Guinness. Well, that wasn't enough for me. We're skeptical. I'm skeptical. What's this thing about the tree of life? Jesus' blood never failed me yet. There's one thing I know, for he loves me so. A month later, I was going into coming out of the heart um, exercise area. They have a cardiac rehab, they call it. Thank you. And I was coming out of there, and there were two nurses Alexandra 
and James, and I said, did you hear me singing? And James spoke up and he said, Pastor Ash, I'll tell you a strange thing that happened to me. He said, I saw what we were doing and we were working so hard on you because you were the first patient. And I said, first patient of the day? He said, no, it's more than that. You'll have to talk to somebody and find out. There's a secret there. And he said, but I was giving up. And along with me, the rest of them were giving up. We were saying, we're not going to be able to save our first patient. And he said, then I listened to the words you were singing. And all of a sudden, the mistakes were, that were happening, they weren't their mistakes, things that were out of control. The dye they inject was dripping down the side of my arm, that pacemaker thing not working. Everything that was wrong began to go right, he said. And I listened to the words you said. If you had such faith in Jesus Christ, as you died and were being brought back to life, I knew we would make it. And he said, and we did. I went back to meet Dr. Mike Davis, invited him to lunch, and he told me the most amazing miracle. You see, catheterization can be performed in the big hospitals and the smaller hospitals have cath labs, but until August the 14th, that day, the state of Ohio had refused to allow cath labs, level two cath labs, to do interventional cardiology. They could put in stents, they could do, you know, well, not even stents, they were only doing diagnostic procedures. As soon as they found a problem, they would ship somebody out by helicopter or by ambulance to the big hospitals. And for years, the big hospitals had fought against little cath labs doing what they did now. And it was on that day, and I was the first victim, I'm sorry, I was the first patient, but I'm, friends, I'm not very patient, I'm a pastor, I have parishioners, not patients, but I did manage to walk in that day, the first day that the cath lab doctors were allowed to do intervention, and they were able to intervene on my death and bring me back to life. So when I say YOLO, you only live once. I say that's still true for me also. I may have died a mortal death and come back to light, life, but I'm only living once. I consider my life to be only one life from the moment of conception. It goes on until eternity. Because when I die from this earth, I will live forever. My spirit, my body may die, but my spirit will go on. And that's what we celebrate today. The Pentecost moment gives life forever, not only to the church, but to the martyrs who gave their lives for us. The ones who died spreading the gospel and the faith, they have eternal life as well. And the Pentecost moment reminds us that the Holy Spirit gives life to each and every one of us. So if somebody asks you, do you know where you're headed? You say, yes, I'm headed for eternal life. It's not a question. It's not a concern. It is a guarantee because you believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus' blood, say it with me, after me. Jesus' blood, blood never failed me yet. Failed me yet. This, one this one thing I know, for he loves me so. For he loves me. That's the song 
And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Amen.
I'm just amazed how that fit in with my message, right? <laughs> when I was down and out, love lifted me. <laughs> yeah. We have prayer requests today for Terry as she celebrates 30 years of being cancer-free. That's a joy. And pray for all those with disease to be healed. Prayers for Roy, who is battling cancer. And Hillary asks for a prayer for my brother Steve, who needs surgery for a mass near his brain. Prayers for Jean for healing a painful cyst on his leg. And for Barb, who has bronchitis. And prayers for Deanne, for the family of Matt, who is Linda's neighbor, who passed away this past week. Let us turn to God, shall we pray? Holy God, we thank you. We thank you this day. We thank you for sunshine and for your sun who shines in our hearts. We thank you as all creation thanks you for your son who died on our behalf and lives for our sake. We thank you for your spirit that comes into our lives and motivates and strengthens and gives us power to be so much more than we can be without you. Oh God, we thank you for that spirit which inspired the early apostles, disciples to spread the good news that you are alive and well and that your power is at work building your church. We thank you for those who gave their lives in service to this country and others for the causes of justice, peace, and for the rights of people. Oh God, this day we thank you for being present with us and for continuing to heal and touch the lives of so many. We've lifted up names to you and we now pause from our prayers to name people in our hearts for whom we have concern or joy. O oh God, we thank you and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. All right, everyone, the last thing we do each Sunday is remind you that church doesn't end when worship service is over. Uh, the message goes with us into our daily lives, and the work of the church continues through your help. Here are some ways to engage with BUMC in the coming weeks. The Brexville Memorial Day Parade is Monday, May 29th. That is tomorrow, if calendars don't work the same, like, the, the, like they don't work for me. 10.30 a.m., we will be marching again this year uh, while we highlight our core value of determined service. How have you gotten off your donkey at BUMC through the years? working with kids or our youth, cooking a meal, fixing a bike or swinging a hammer, or have you reached out in uh, other ways to serve? 
The Missions and Outreach Committee asks you to come, up, uh, come help celebrate the many ways we are in determined service here at BUMC. Share the message with others by walking or riding your bike in the parade. Wear your favorite BUMC t-shirt or carry a sign. Meet at space number 36 on Route 21 near the library. And if marching in one parade isn't enough for you, then join in Saturday, June 3rd uh, to help spread the good news that God's love is for everyone. Join Brexville United Methodist Church and thousands of others as we march in the Cleveland Pride Parade. Brexville UMC is a sponsor and will have a table with our information available. If you'd like to march or work the table, sign up at BUMC links or in the parlor. Meet in the BUMC parking lot at 845 that morning. Did you know that every two seconds someone in the US needs blood? You can help with, with the continual shortage of blood by making a commitment to donate this Thursday from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. If that time doesn't work for you, go to uh, Vitalin's website and choose another nearby drive. What a wonderful and life-saving way to get off your donkey this week. And last but not least, we have the last hymn sing before we take our break for the summer. We will meet today, right after this service, right here in the sanctuary. There are already a number of wonderful hymns that have been requested. Join Sue, Michaela, and Sean and sing along. We already have the hymns. We have the we have the musicians. Now let us receive the benediction so that we can go and do God's work. I want to say thank you, Rexville United Methodist Church, for allowing my wife Peg and I to serve as members. As for Heidi's going to be back today, it's been such a privilege be there in uh, November and December to lead them until the end of the year and hopefully they'll find a pastor before the end of that so it's been a joy being here I told Heidi and Russ that we provide not only full service grandparenting and dog sitting <laughs> but we also uh, I'm not going to call it church sitting but <laughs> <laughs> church minding yeah. yeah that works church minding and I do want to lastly thank the praise team for letting me play with you. Now, no, 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 no. Please, please, please. You don't have to do that because I'll be back. You know that, right? I'll be back. Okay, so finally, the benediction that I have said for many, many years, and it's part of yours too. Let's, let's say it, call in response. Go in peace. And, and not, not in, in pieces. pieces. Amen. I invite you to stand as you're able and join in our final song of worship. All this pain, I wonder if I'll
thank you so much for joining us. I hope you have a wonderful weekend.